Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5, yes. to the end zone. Touchdown, and a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. The podcast for not only them diehard Brewer fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I'm Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the evening. I am, yes, running solo again here. Um, I was actually with my two good buddies, Sunshine and the Vanilla, Vanilla Gorilla, excuse me, this weekend. Um, we were up in Green Bay for training camp. And, you know, through all the excitement of, you know, watching a practice, doing the Hall of Fame tours, and, you know, checking out the Hinderland Brewing Company, Titletown Brewing Company, all the good things that are up in Green Bay right now. Um, None of us really thought to podcast while we were all together, and now it is kind of late in the evening, so we are are all kind of going our own separate ways here again, unfortunately. So I will run you through this crazy national series, um, because it was a wild one. Uh, the first game, the Brewers lost 2-1, to one, and we'll call it the more tamer of the games compared to how Saturday and Sunday left, um, but it was ultimately a game where the Brewers leave way too many runners on base, which has, has been a theme this year. Um, their only run came in the third inning. Orlando Arcia hit a home run off Patrick Corbin, so it was good to see Arcia swing the bat. He really had a good series in general, and... Adrian Hauser pitched brilliantly for the Brewers. He started off kind of shaky within his first two innings. He hit two of the batters and then walked two, but ultimately settled down and went seven innings, um, which was a career high for him. And there was no incident on the mound, so that's always a plus. Um, So Adrian Hauser is definitely finding a stride right now, Uh, but the Brewers' offense did not. I mean, I can run through all the runners they left on base. It is really astonishing i mean in the fourth uh the brewers leave runners on second and third um via lorenzo kane getting out (laughs) in the fifth um it was good to see an aggressive ryan braun he hits a liner kind of into left center and legged out a double um he's been hitting really well the last couple series and really being more aggressive he's been running a lot better um kind of being that that veteran presence, you know, taking charge and making things happen at good times because there's two outs when he took that chance. Um, But he gets on, and then, of course, the Brewers strand runners at second and third that fifth inning. (laughs) Um, And that, of course, Moose left them on base. In the sixth inning, runners were left on first and second. Hayera struck out. Um, I guess the only good part at that point was Patrick Corbin had a really high pitch count at 110 after the sixth. In the seventh inning, the Brewers left a runner on first. In the eighth inning, Thames was stranded on second. And 
Yeah, and then nothing really going in the ninth. Uh, Hayara was stranded at second, excuse me, off a struggling Doolittle, and that was via Grandall flyout. So pretty much every inning, the Brewers, they had chances to do it, and they couldn't capitalize. Um, and I've kind of been thinking to myself, you know, how do we solve this runners in scoring position issue? Because it is an issue. The Brewers are have the third worst batting average of, of 245 in the MLB with runners in scoring position this year. And then you throw in, if there's two outs, their average dips lower to 229, which is actually the 24th worst in the MLB. Um, but you compare that to the great teams like the Red Sox. Their batting average with runners in scoring position, two outs, is 286. So that's a huge difference. Look at the Dodgers. They're up uh, the high 260s. So, like, obviously the teams who hit clutch, uh, they have good records. <laughs> and the Brewers, you know, their record's not where it would want it to be. Um that's for sure, but it definitely it definitely could be worse. Um, so I think one way that this could be solved is, you know, I think the Brewers kind of have to change their approach. I mean, obviously, when you have batter after batter not coming through, you know, that, that feeling is kind of contagious on a team. Like, oh, another man left, or oh, it couldn't come through. And then you start pressing. And, you know, hitters like, I'm going to be the one to break us through out of the slump. I'm going to get that hit with two outs. And everybody's thinking about it more. And it just gets in every hitter's head. So, obviously, once the Brewers start getting some success, which they need to do soon, hopefully that, you know, that feeling of, hey, I did, I came through for the team rubs off and everybody can kind of relax a little bit. But I think another thing is the Brewers' approach at the plates. The Brewers struck out a lot last year and did not have this big of an issue, but the Brewers are striking out more this year. Currently, we have the fifth most strikeouts in the MLB at 1,180 strikeouts as of August 18th as I record this here. But that tells you a lot. You know, obviously the Brewers walk a lot, so they're very patient at the plate. But maybe when there's two outs, maybe you don't need to be patient. Maybe you start swinging at that first pitch. We saw Grandall start doing that last week, and he's starting to come around now finally with the bat after what seemed like a slump that lasted all of July and into last week. Um, So, I mean, really that's the only thing I can think of. I mean... Besides, you want to, you know, really work on making contact with two outs. I mean, everyone needs an approach like Lorenzo Cain then in that that regard. Rather than trying to hit the home run, you just you just got to try and make contact and, you know, slap slap it in the right field and hope for the best. Because um, when, when you have runners in scoring position, you want to come through for your team and all you're thinking about is the home run, which is what the Brewers, you know, live and die off of. It hasn't worked out this year. So Brewer batters need to get with the hitting coach, I think, and really focus on that approach of just making contact with two outs. And, you know, obviously you can't undo a whole season of being one of the worst teams with runners in scoring position and, you know, expect to, like, jump up to first. But you need to do better this last month and a half of the season because Brewers need to eke out as many wins as they can here. And speaking of eking out wins, that is exactly what they did in Saturday night, Saturday's wild game, a 15-14 win. 
this almost sounds like a could be a football score, you know, depending on what teams are playing. Uh, but Lorenzo Cain started this game on the bench. Um, so I was really excited. I thought, you know, Trent Grisham's in. Heck yeah. Brewers are they're realizing it that he needs to be out there. They're now saying Lorenzo Cain has tweaked an oblique, um, which is why he didn't start on Sunday either. But uh, I don't know much. I'm buying that. I think you just got to gotta ride Grisham because he's the hot hand. <laughs> um, but the Brewers tied a franchise record in this game with seven home runs. I mean, so I've those home runs coming two from Ryan Braun, two from Christian Yelich, one from Mike Moustakis, one from Trent Grisham, and then one from Eric Thames. So hitting that many home runs, we finally saw some crooked numbers. Brewers put up five runs in the fifth inning and then four runs in the ninth. That ninth inning was something else. Sean Doolittle didn't even record an out. <laughs> I mean, they, they had what, a three or four run lead and Oh, Brewers socked it to socked him in the ninth. It was awesome, um, but ultimately Josh Hader wasn't able to save the game in the bottom of the ninth, blowing yet again another save. Um, but you do have to give Josh Hader credit in this situation. He had the bases loaded after already blowing the save by giving up a run, and bases loaded, nobody out, and he did not let the Nationals walk it off. He ended up striking out the side after that. And, you know, that just really shows the competitive nature of Josh Hader. Like, yeah, I'm sure he's frustrated as all hell out there on the mound and mad at himself for not coming through again in this slump continuing. But he kept the Brewers in the game, and we were obviously able to eke out a win. So that should go a long, long ways as well and shouldn't go unnoticed. But... I mean, that game, they easily could have walked it off in the ninth. Josh Hader threw a million high fastballs, and a few of them were out of the zone, and there was a full count at times where they could have had a walk-off walk. Um, But batters just keep swinging at that fastball. Um, So Josh Hader, again, didn't really show much of the changeup on Saturday night. I believe his first pitch of the night was a slider, and he he threw a few more after that, so mixed in a little bit more, but... Um, obviously with what was going on, he stuck to his guns and the fastball and that, you know, that's, what's got him a lot of his success. So he stuck with that. Um, and then skipping ahead here to game three, the Brewers lose 16 to eight. So I don't know how the Brewers give up what 30 runs in two games that that's just weird baseball stuff for you right there. Um, but the Nationals have eight home runs in Game 3. Uh, Chase Anderson goes two and one-thirds innings, giving up ten earned runs. Now that I spoke correctly, ten. And then Aaron Wilkerson, who was just recalled after Saturday night's late, wild, crazy game, um, pitches four and a third and gives up five earned runs. And then, of course, as you can imagine, in a game scenario like this, we got to see Hernan Perez pitch the eighth inning. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was comical when that happens. And it's, I was never a good situation, but um, the Brewers can take away some good things offensively, especially if we look at game three, Moose had two homers. So he's homered in back-to-back games. Now he had five RBIs on Sunday nights or Sunday days finale. Lander Arcia had three hits 
Keston here had three hits, and then Ben Gamble had four hits, one of them being a home run. So guys are swinging the bat well, which is going to be key here, obviously, because we've mentioned you never know what you're going to get out of this pitching staff, and it'll change just like that. And, yeah, sure enough, these last two games it did. Um, but the home run ball, obviously exciting, brings Mike Moustakis to the 30 home run club already this year. And Christian Yelch hitting two on Saturday nights um, brings him up to a total of 41 for the year. Um, Mike Trout is also at 41. Cody Bellinger hit a home run today on August 18th to bring him up to 42. And then the sneaky one that people kind of been sleeping on here is Pete Alonzo. He's up to 40, uh, the rookie. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he would have surpassed uh, Cody Bellinger's rookie home run record now. So watch out for him. But this is, it is an exciting home run race here. Um, lots to look forward to. I think there's a very good chance that all three, maybe even four of these guys, they should all get to 50 home runs. And it could be a scenario where you say, hey, first one to 60 is going to win the home run crown, <laughs> which you know, 20 home runs roughly, you know, for all these guys, that's it's doable the way they're swinging the bat this year. Um, but looking forward here, the Brewers have the Cardinals series coming up next. Um, I mentioned on my last podcast, hey, you know, it's it's not the end of the world if the Brewers lose the series against the Nationals because we've got a lot of games against the Cardinals. And, yeah, we do. we got three starting off this week here. Then they have games against the Diamondbacks, and then we have three more games after that against the Cardinals and Cubs the following week to wrap up August. So lots of division games coming up, um, which really leaves the NL Central and the wild card pretty much wide open still. So as much as it sucks not to take a series this weekend, I mean, we can't get two down. We're only... We're only two games down in the National League uh, Central. The uh, Cardinals are the leaders right now, weirdly enough. And then in the wild card, the Brewers uh, currently sent a game and a half back from the Cubs for that second wild card spot. Obviously, I mentioned the Nationals have that top spot. So, yeah, looking forward on Monday here, we are going to see Zach Davies making his first return uh, since the lower back spasm, so I'm not quite sure what exactly to expect from him. Uh, but then we'll also see Gio Gonzalez and Adrian Hauser the other two games this week. So this, I think, we're starting to reach now. These are must-win series. I mean, we cannot lose series against the Cardinals or Cubs or even Diamondbacks this week coming up because the Diamondbacks are very much in the hunt for the wild card, too. They're only four games back of the Cubs, despite having a 62-63 and 63 record. Um, Brewers obviously currently sit at 64-64, and 64 games over. So taking every series from here on out is going to be crucial, especially leading up here into September. Um, I mean, we saw what the Brewers did last September. You know, what were they, four or five games out going in and got hot and were able to ride that into a deep postseason run. But, you know, these division games, there's not a whole lot of them at the end of September when you look look at the schedule. So the there's lots of high leverage going on right now. But... 
we'll see how they do. Um, hopefully Keston Hira can clean up his defense a little bit. Um, I forgot to mention earlier in that wild 15-14 to 14 win, he almost blew it um, for Junior Guerra. <laughs> they, they had... Uh, he had a wild throw going over to first to extend the game. Nationals played it a run on that. And that actually brings his air total up to 11, which is tied with Orlando Arcia right now for the team lead, which is not a place where you want to be, <laughs> especially seeing how you have had a lot fewer games than Orlando Arcia. Um, however, given, I think, given the airs, I don't think you can take Keston out of this lineup. You know, the way he swings the bats and provides that production nobody's going to be able to replace that on this team um so i'll i'll live with the airs right now you know hopefully the defense comes it's not going to be this year next year hopefully and if if it doesn't then maybe you have to try and look into shuffling them around to a different position similar to what the brewers did with ryan braun after his rookie year um not quite sure if Keston has ever played any outfield, but that would be something to look into. Um, but, you know, if all goes well, we'll knock on wood here. Here he'll figure it out on defense because he's young and quick learner. So with that being said, I'm going to sign off here. Quick podcast, um, but we got this Cardinal series to look forward to, and I very much look forward to recapping that with you guys Uh podcast next podcast will be coming out thursday morning if you have not subscribed already please do please leave a review as well and check out our other podcasts we have the packers trilogy podcast and the bucks trilogy podcast again those can be found on our website at wisco sports trilogy or on the fresh take.net um, so be sure to check those out but until thursday i will see you guys later peace